You're listening to Detroit Today on 1019 WDET. I'm Stephen Henderson, and as always, thanks for being here. We've been talking this hour about the direct human impact of President Donald Trump's isolationist tendencies and policies, but what do they mean for the U.S. economy? One thing we keep hearing when we talk about his economic policy goals is that we risk sparking a trade war. He says he wants to create jobs, get Americans back to work, get the economy growing at a faster pace. But if we have a trade war, if our trading partners decide not to play along with the things that he wants to do, what will that look like? What would it mean for your own personal and financial security? And what could it mean specifically here in Southeast Michigan and Detroit, where our economy is driven by one industry more than any other still? Uh, I wanted to talk about this for the second half of the program today. And joining me to help bring context and insight to it is Dean Baker. He's the co-director of the Center for Economic and Policy Research. Dean, welcome back to Detroit Today. Thanks a lot for having me on. Absolutely. Uh, I should also mention uh, that you have Michigan roots, uh, having attended the University of Michigan, uh, a little institution I might be familiar with, uh, also a graduate of. Yep, I did my graduate work there. <laughs> That's right. Uh, so I, I, I want to let you start by uh, by talking about the things that we've seen in the first few weeks of this administration. We heard a lot of talk, uh, bluster perhaps, uh, during the campaign and in the transition, uh, there were some very quick actions, though, that were taken uh, once uh, Donald Trump became the president of the United States. What effect are those things going to have? And uh, talk about this idea of a trade war. What does that mean? And are we headed in that direction? Well, the one thing I think we could all agree about with Donald Trump is he's unpredictable. You know, he rarely railed through his campaign about our trade negotiators were stupid. You know, we're being taken to the cleaners by our trading partners, Mexico, China, whoever else. And he's going to put in smart people. He's going to take care of that. And that fundamentally misrepresents the situation. Our, our trade negotiators, I've met some of them. They're not good friends. But in any case, they're not stupid people. They work very hard. They're ambitious people. We didn't get bad trade deals, or I'll just say trade deals that in many cases were bad for U.S. workers because they were stupid, that wasn't their agenda. When you look at something like NAFTA or the Trans-Pacific Partnership that Donald Trump, well, it was already dead, but he kind of buried it, you know, so we're not, not going to pursue that, he says. Um, they're mostly not about reducing tariffs and quotas, classic trade issues. Most of them are about regulatory structures. Some of it's actually protectionist. One of the big goals in U.S. trade negotiations has been stronger and longer patent and copyright protections, get more money for our drug companies, software, entertainment industry, etc. So they're not stupid. That was what they were negotiating. And they wanted to make it easy for U.S. companies to locate in Mexico, locate in China, locate in other countries, and ship their goods back to the United States. That wasn't stupid. That's what they were trying to do. So when Donald Trump says, okay, I'm going to replace these stupid people with my smart people, well, what does that mean? Is he prepared to give up copyright protection, patent protection, the other things that our trade negotiators fought for and won You know, for those companies? didn't help U.S. workers, but it helped Disney, it helped Pfizer, it helped you know, Microsoft. Yeah. Um, so is he going to give that up, or does he think he's going to get both that and somehow reverse the story on making it easy for our companies to locate in Mexico and other countries? So my answer to this is, 
I really don't know what he's talking about. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I think that's a really uh, incisive point there, that some of the things he's saying uh, contradict other things that he's saying. And it's hard to know sometimes whether this is a function of uh, him not really understanding trade policy or whether it is purposely uh, uh, evasive or unclear as a means of manipulating the people he thinks uh, would vote for him. Yeah, that's a very good point. And uh, I've never met the man, so I'm not in a position (laughs) to judge his psyche. I mean, my best guess is I think he really doesn't fully understand trade policy. He reportedly has a very short attention span when people have tried to give him briefings, again, I'm basing this secondhand, I, I haven't directly talked to these people, they complain that he's not interested in listening. So based on that, my guess is he's not thought these things through. And, you know, he's yelled at Mexico that we've had plants locating there, which I was an opponent of NAFTA when it was being debated, 92, 93, 94. I didn't want to see it approved. But we can't reverse history. So an idea that we're going to, on a large scale, bring the jobs back from Mexico, that as much as that might be nice, uh, you know, I'm from Michigan or from the Midwest, went to school in Michigan, I'd love to see those jobs come back. That's not a plausible story. So if he tries to beat up Mexico, what happens, it's maybe there'll be a few, we've already seen how many jobs actually are literally coming about because of this, we don't know, but we've had Ford, you know, the carrier jobs, some others, where Companies are saying they're bringing jobs back. We don't know what they would have done in, an, in, in the counterfactual, but obviously they want to be on Trump's good side. They say, oh, yeah, we're bringing jobs back. So how many we're actually going to bring back that way? I don't know. We're not going to bring back most of the jobs we lost. If he tries to do something like puts on a big tariff, well, one of the things, I mean, I said this originally jokingly, but I actually think they might well do it. Mexico might just say, oh, guess what? We're not going to honor Pfizer's patents on prescription drugs. So right. there's drugs that they're charging twenty, thirty, a hundred thousand for in the US, you can get for two hundred dollars. Um, mm. Pfizer would be very upset. They could say, uh, Windows, guess what? Um, we don't no one has to pay Microsoft to use Windows or all the other software they produce or other US companies. They could do that and that would be a huge blow to US companies because needless to say, people are spending fifty thousand on their, their medicine in the US um, there'll be a lot of people, certainly those in Southern California, they'll go to Mexico and get for $200. Um, that's another issue, and we probably shouldn't be paying 50000 but we are. Um, so I don't, I don't think the prospects for a trade war look very good from the standpoint of the United States if tr- Trump were to go that route. Yeah. Uh, this is Detroit Today on 1019 WDET. I'm Stephen Henderson. My guest is Dean Baker. He's the co-director of the Center for Economic and Policy Research. We are talking about trade policy. Trade policy as it was articulated uh, by Donald Trump when he was a candidate for the president of the United States, uh, as it was articulated in the transition between his election uh, when, when, when he was sworn in on January 20th, and uh, trade policy as it has looked in this first few weeks. Uh, Is Donald Trump positioning the United States for massive economic growth the way he says he is? Is he positioning us to bring jobs back from places like Mexico uh, and employ more Americans? Is he uh, positioning us to be able to repatriate, for instance, some of the assets that foreign companies 
keep overseas so that they don't pay taxes on them. Are all these things even possible? Uh, are some of the things that he's talking about even something that the president of the United States or the Congress can do? And what effect will it have if he does these things and other countries retaliate? If we get into a trade war with Mexico, if we get into a trade war with China, uh, what would it look like? What would it look like for us here in Southeast Michigan? If you want to join the conversation, give us a call, 313-577-1019. That number, again, is 313-577-1019. What do you think of the things that Donald Trump has said about trade about Mexico, our trading partners. Mexico is our third third largest trading partner. And even though we have a huge trade deficit with them, uh, they buy about $236 billion each year worth of American products and goods. Uh, what if they stopped? What if they stopped uh, making that so easy to sell uh, in uh, Mexico, uh, sell American products in Mexico? And if you're one of the people who feels like trade policy has left you behind. Uh, if you're uh, an employee of the auto industry, for instance, I know a lot of folks uh, in that industry have said to me uh, that they feel like trade policy forgot them. They forgot their jobs, forgot their economic security. Um, what would you like to see done now? Would you want to reopen trade deals like NAFTA. Uh, we did uh, walk away last week, finally, from the Trans-Pacific Partnership uh, that Donald Trump said uh, all during the campaign that he would walk away from. Is this going to make your life any better here in Southeast Michigan? Is this going to make your economic security more certain? Again, 313-577-1019 is the number to join the conversation. You can also go to the WDET Facebook page, put your comments there, or go to Twitter and hashtag Detroit Today. Uh, we will try to work your comments into into the conversation. Uh, uh, Dean, uh, uh, trade policy, uh, uh, the, the trade agreements that we have, NAFTA, the TPP, um, as you said, you know, you opposed uh, NAFTA in the early 90s. I think most, uh, there are a lot of people, I guess, uh, who are in that category who felt like it was giving away jobs. And you say now we can't, you know, undo history. But what are the things that could be done to offset the negative effects of NAFTA? I mean, I don't think there's any question that it has played a role in the diminishment of jobs and perhaps the stagnation of wages uh, that, that's taken place since then. If, if we can undo history uh, and, and sort of go back and make that whole again, what are the things that, that you could do that would make it better for Americans? Well, there's a few things. I mean, one of the issues that Trump raised in the campaign that I thought was entirely legitimate, he talked about currency, and he said he'd always put this in belligerent terms, China's a currency manipulator, this and that. That's uh, I don't really like the word manipulation, because they openly set a low value for their currency. They keep their, their currency down against the dollar. That improves their trade position. Yes. We could take action on currency. You negotiate that. And... Uh, people sometimes, because again, I've talked to a lot of people about this issue over the years, long predating uh, Donald Trump's candidacy, and they say, well, China doesn't want to, they don't want to negotiate that. That's just kind of silly. I mean, I, we're not asking them to give up Taiwan here. They have raised the value of their currency. We want them to raise it more, raise it more quickly. I can't believe that's not the sort of thing that can't be negotiated. And that's an issue more generally. That's why we have a large trade deficit, is our dollar is overvalued relative to these other currencies. So that should be a priority. 
I mentioned before the copyrights and patents issue. I, I think that's really bad policy. I understand it's good for Pfizer. It's good for Disney. It's bad for the United States. Um, we're, we're making these people pay more, particularly the drugs is the big issue because mm-hmm. that means in many cases people don't have access to medicine they need. But just from a narrow economic standpoint, this is if, if they're spending a lot of money for drugs, they have less money to spend on other things we sell. So that's not serving the United States. We should have a policy that we, you know, they could have a different patent policy. They could have a different copyright policy. That's that. that those are protections. That, that that's protectionism. People who are free traders should not want strong patent and copyright protection. That goes the wrong way. So those are some things. Also, we have aspects in these trade deals in, in NAFTA. We've apparently Trump's already opened up the door for renegotiation. We have investor state dispute settlement tribunals. These are these extrajudicial tribunals that became a big issue in the Trans-Pacific Partnership. Also, it does exist in NAFTA. It's very hard to see the logic of this. These are tribunals that operate outside the legal system. Uh, Their rulings are not bound by precedent, subject to appeal. The courts are only open to, to foreign investors. They're very, very strange entities. And the rationale is to ensure that foreign investors can get a fair deal. And the idea that foreign investors aren't treated fairly by U.S. courts, I think, is kind of silly. And, you know, we put this in all the trade deals. We put it in uh, the trade deal we're trying to negotiate with Europe, the Trans-Pacific, Trans-Atlantic Trade and Investment Pact. I've talked to reporters in Europe, and they think I'm making this up. I go, no, really, it's there. And I explain it to them, and they go, you don't think our courts give you a fair deal? <laughs> it, it really doesn't belong in the trade deal. It doesn't serve a purpose. So that's something that should be pulled out. So the trade deals, again, we lowered our tariff barriers, lowered quotas. You could argue whether it was a good or bad thing. It doesn't make sense to reverse that because we've had parent trades build on that. But these other aspects of the trade deals, I think, absolutely should be removed. Yeah. Okay. When we come back, we are going to continue our discussion with Dean Baker about uh, trade wars. Uh, And we're going to hear from you on the phones. Are you worried about a trade war, given what Donald Trump said he was going to do and has done in his first few weeks? Do you want to see an end to NAFTA? And do you feel left behind by an economy that you want to see more focused on you and your financial security? Give us a call, 313-577-1019 to join the conversation. Stay with us on Detroit Today. You're listening to Detroit Today on 1019 WDET. I'm Stephen Henderson, and as always, thanks for joining us. My guest is Dean Baker. He's the co-director of the Center for Economic and Policy Research. We are talking about uh, trade policy, trade policy under President Trump. Uh, As a candidate, he made a lot of big promises about changes in trade policy that he said would help grow the economy, bring jobs back to America. We've seen him take some quick action in the first few weeks in office uh, that uh, some people say is going in that direction. Other people say it's unclear what the effect of those things would be, and they may have the opposite effect. They may start a trade war. They may Uh, make it impossible, in fact, for companies to bring uh, jobs back to the United States. Uh, What do you think about that? Are you worried about Donald Trump starting a uh, trade war? Uh, Do you see uh, an end to NAFTA? Do you want to see an end to NAFTA? And uh, do you feel left behind by an economy that has become more global 
than the one we had before. And if you do, what do you think can be done to deal you back in, to give you a little more economic security? 313-577-1019 is the number to join the conversation. That's 313-577-1019. You can go to the WDET Facebook page as well, put your comments there, or go to Twitter and hashtag Detroit Today. We'll work those comments into the conversation as we can. Uh, let's go to David in Gross Point Farms. David, welcome to Detroit Today. Thank you very much. Hey. Thank you. Good morning. Yeah, how are you? I wanted to, uh, doing well, mm-hmm. I wanted to speak to your guest. I'm, I'm confused. When he speaks of Trump policy, he speaks in a manner as though Trump doesn't know anything. He speaks as though Trump's an amateur. I mean, Trump has done a beautiful, beautiful job for himself. Has the he? Man, the Has the he? man's excellent at what he does. Well, so why well, well, would David, he make these blunders? So, David, uh, let me ask you, what, what has Trump done that, that has impressed you so much? Oh, please. The man took, let's say, a small fortune mm-hmm. and turned it into an enormous fortune. Mm-hmm. Now, that's not easy to do in a competitive environment. Really? I mean, with the bankruptcies that he's filed, the companies that he's forced out of business, the people, the contractors who say he hasn't paid them, do you think that those things are are marks of success? As a practical matter, if you just invest in the S and P five hundred, he would <laughs> right. have he would have made more on money. Yeah, <laughs> that's right. Yeah, I mean, I, I I'm always curious about this notion of success. Uh, not that he's unsuccessful. Uh, but he did start with about $100 million uh, that he inherited, and he's grown it. But uh, there's also all of these sort of downsides to, to what he's done. But but even even if we granted, for instance, that, that Donald Trump is an excellent businessman, trade policy is different. Uh, isn't that right, Dean Baker? I mean, somebody who can make money for themselves doesn't necessarily understand how trade policy works to to support the economy. Yeah, I mean, these are very, very different skills. I mean— you know, we could point to people who are outstanding. Tom Brady's a fantastic quarterback, maybe the best ever. And I don't want to get an argument about that. Clearly, he's a great quarterback. And what would we think of him as president of the United States? Well, he could be good, but based on him being a great quarterback, that would not convince me. So yeah. Donald Trump was very successful in making a lot of money for himself, and you could credit that if you like. That doesn't mean he's an expert in trade policy. And frankly, I'm just, in terms of portraying him as a blunder, I don't know he's a blunder. I'm just saying he's saying contradictory things. Yeah. That may be delivered. I really have no idea. I've never met the man. So <laughs> all I could say is what I could see based on his comments, based on his actions, there's a lot of contradictory things, and I don't know how to make sense of that. So that yeah. could be deliberate. It may be some grand strategy. I really have no idea. I'm just trying to look at what he says, what he does, and trying to make sense of it. Yeah. Uh, Tony in Belleville, you're up next on Detroit Today. Hello. Good morning. Hey, Tony. Uh, I, enjoy, I enjoy the show quite a bit. Thank you. I just had a, a question for you, guests. Earlier you mentioned that uh, doing for NAFTA, um, you know, one of the goals was to make it easier for U.S. plants to, to move to Mexico. And I was surprised to hear that. That sounds like it sounds counterintuitive. Intuitive. It sounds like a, a bad thing. Why was that a good thing? Why was that a goal of NAFTA? It seems like that's part of the problem that we have with, with plants moving to Mexico so easily, lower wages, and, and it's you know it's yeah. creating problems for American um, 
manufacturing workers. Yeah. Tony, great question. Uh, thanks very much for calling and asking. Dean Baker. That was a quite explicit goal. There's a major chapter in NAFTA, an investment chapter that's about securing investment in, well, all three countries, obviously, but, but it's focused on Mexico, making sure that Mexico can't, say, repatriate, can't uh, confiscate a factory. If General Motors sets up a factory there, they wouldn't just be able to nationalize it and not give fair compensation. They couldn't make restrictions on their ability to send back profits to the United States. So the idea was to have an open door for General Motors, Ford, Chrysler, whoever else, that they could just go to Mexico, set up operations there, and be secure in their business. And the logic, if I talk to my fellow economists here, they'd go, Mexico has a lot of cheap labor. That's a resource that we want U.S. companies to be able to have access to. So that was quite deliberate. So when people say, oh, uh, NAFTA didn't work, jobs are going to Mexico, that was the design. And I could tell you a story. I'm not going to say I believe it, but I could tell you a story how that could benefit the U.S. as a whole. But there's no doubt the workers who see their jobs go to Mexico, they are losers. That's unambiguous. But that was by design. Yeah. Uh, Let's go to uh, Terry in Detroit. Terry, we've got about uh, two minutes left. I wanted to get you in the conversation. Um, Good morning. I wanted to talk about the unintended consequences of trying to renegotiate NAFTA. And part of it, it plays on what you guys were just talking about. I think part of what we needed to do was to have a middle class develop in Mexico such that people wanted to stay in Mexico and do their thing down there instead of coming up here. And to that end, NAFTA has worked. But what are the other unintended consequences of trying to renegotiate this deal? What happens to Canada, right. for example, Great question. When, when we do this? Because we don't want to destabilize Canada with us trying to fix a problem with people coming across the border who aren't Mexican, by the way, they're from Central America. But, you know, I just think we need to start talking about the unintended consequences that might erupt when we fence ourselves in and when we renegotiate NASA. Yeah. Terry, great question. Uh, Dean, we've got about a minute. I want to make sure you get a chance to address that, though. Okay, a couple quick points. First off, it is important to understand we actually did not help to develop a a middle class in Mexico. Mexico's growth has actually been really bad since NAFTA. Whether that was because of NAFTA, you could argue whatever you like. But just as a factual matter, Mexico's grown very slowly in the 22 years or 24 years now since since NAFTA was passed. Mm -hmm. So it didn't help develop a middle class, quite the opposite. Again, I shouldn't say that was due to NAFTA. We just have not seen a middle class develop in Mexico. In terms of whether destabilizes Canada, we really don't know what Donald Trump's going to put on the table. So if he's just this is political posturing. I said I'd renegotiate NAFTA. I'm going to do it, and I'll take out a few eyes, you know, whatever, T's. And now I've renegotiated, and everyone's happy. Fine. Yeah. Um, is he want to rip it up and start from scratch? What does that look like? It's really impossible to say. Because we so don't my know. My guess yet. is that yeah. it won't have that much impact on Canada. We have long-standing trade relations. I don't think they're big obstacles to whatever Donald Trump wants to do. Okay. Mexico is the bigger question mark. All right. Uh, Dean Baker, co-director of the Center for Economic and Policy Research, as always, thanks for being here. On thanks for having me on. Yep. That's going to do it for us today. I'll be back tomorrow. hope you will, too. This is 1019 WDET Detroit, Detroit's public radio station. We'll see you tomorrow.